Hello and welcome back to Weird on the Rocks. This is a podcast that explores the weird, unusual, strange, and unexplained, all while getting our drink on. I'm your host, Katie. First off, I apologize for taking a little break last week and not releasing a new episode. I actually started a new job, so I'm getting used to the new schedule and workload and just, you know, all that fun stuff that comes with starting a new job. So I thought it was just a good time to take a little summer break on my end. I didn't really do anything podcast related for about two weeks, which really was a nice break, but I also really missed it and I'm excited to be back recording. It feels kind of (laughs) weird. Today's episode is going to be a continuation of an episode I did a long time ago about the Mandala Effect. It was actually episode three, I believe, so it's been about a year and a half since it was released, but it's probably the episode people like to discuss with me the most. And so many of you had never heard about this phenomena, and your minds were completely blown when you listened to the episode about it. And a lot of you have told me you've done your own research on it and discovered other mandala effects that I didn't mention. It is definitely a crazy topic and something super interesting to think about, and there's really no explanation. And I think that just makes it even more fun and interesting to think about. In today's episode, I'm going to briefly review what exactly the mandala effect is, and then I'm going to get into some new ones that I didn't discuss in the first episode. Some of these I knew about but didn't include, and some of them are completely new and people are just now learning about them, like a week ago for some of them. So it's going to be a really fun episode. I love talking about this topic, and I hope you guys like listening to me talk about it. Real quick, I want to share another podcast promo with you guys. This one is from my friends over at the Ghost Town Podcast. Are you into the secret histories of exorcisms, Christmas massacres, kill dozers, and concert disasters? How about haunted mansions, the Philadelphia Experiment, the Dorm of Death, or candy corn? Then you're going to love Ghost Town, a hilarious and sometimes not so hilarious twice-weekly podcast. On Wednesdays, we discuss the secret history of an abandoned, unexplored, haunted, or mysterious place from anywhere in the world. And on Fridays, we cover an amazing historical failure from any time in history. Ghost Town is 100% safe and legal. We guarantee it. It's also fun, spooky, and can contain a riot, a massacre, a murder, or an arch deluxe. I'm Rebecca Lieb. I'm Jason Horton. And and this this is Ghost Town. Town. And you can find Ghost Town wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find Weird on the Rocks on Facebook and Instagram at Weird on the Rocks Podcast, Twitter at Weird underscore Rocks, and the website weirdontherocks.weebly.com. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you're listening now. Before we get into the good stuff, I want to share this week's beverage of choice. My friend had the idea for me to create some of my own drinks and come up with names for them, kind of based off of whatever's going on in life or in the world at the moment. So I thought it would be a good week to do so because I didn't have the ingredients for any actual cocktails, so I just made one up. So tonight I present to you the what the hell is happening cocktail. It consists of vodka, a lemon spindrift, maraschino cherry juice, and a few maraschino cherries because why not? Um, Like most of us right now, I feel like every day I wake up and read some crazy news story or something that just makes me think to myself, what? the hell is happening actually what the something else is happening but I'll let you use your imagination um this week my main what the hell moment was when I heard that Kanye West is now running for president I don't want to get political at all but um 
definitely um, an odd thing to be happening. Although I'm not surprised. Um, It's 2020. At this point, I feel like anything could happen and we wouldn't even bat an eye. It's just kind of like, yeah, bring it on. Um, What else can we handle at this point? Um, What a wild ride this year has been. So I figured the first of my custom cocktails would be what the hell is happening. (laughs) I kind of just threw this together with whatever was in my fridge, as you can tell. Um, And luckily for me, it actually turned out delicious and this is great. All right, well, let's get into it. Cheers and let's get weird. Google, what is the mandala effect? The first description that pops up is from healthline.com and says, quote, the mandala effect is an unusual phenomenon where a large group of people remember something differently than how it occurred. Conspiracy theorists believe that this is proof of an alternate universe, while many doctors use it as an illustration of how imperfect memory can be sometimes. End quote. The term was first used in 2010 by a woman named Fiona Broom, who created it based off of the false memory that Nelson Mandela died in prison in the late 80s. Many people from all over the world share a memory of Nelson Mandela, the leader of South Africa, dying while being held in prison. Some swear that they remember seeing his funeral on TV and remember it being a big deal around the world. However, Nelson Mandela did not die until 2013 after he had been released from prison. This shared memory was the first known of its kind, resulting in the phenomena being named the Mandala Effect. There are many different explanations as to what causes this phenomena. Some believe that it is simply just proof of how wrong or faulty our memory can be. Perhaps our brains just fill in the blanks for us or assign similarities to things when there aren't any. One good example of this belief, which I shared in episode three about the Mandela effect, is the Monopoly Man. Many remember the Monopoly character, Rich Uncle Pennybags, as having a monocle, when in reality, he never did. Some believe that he definitely used to have one, and something in our course of history has changed. While many have made the realization that Mr. Peanut, the mascot for Planter's Peanuts, had a monocle, and that our brains are just combining the two characters. However, some believe that the Mandala effect and the fact that millions of people can share the same inaccurate memories is proof of something bigger. Many believe that somewhere in time, we entered a parallel universe or alternate reality. There is a belief that without our knowledge, we have entered a different plane of existence and that these memories are residual effects from our previous existence and things from our old timeline 
are leaking into the new timeline. Some theorize that this isn't the first time we have changed realities, but with the use of technology and social media, we are noticing small changes that previous generations wouldn't have noticed. Some also theorize that the world really did end in 2012 as the Mayan calendar predicted, and that our reality as we know it ceased to exist and we moved into another dimension. And some believe that we have bigger forces to blame, such as the government or military. Perhaps they were utilizing technology that caused us to skip to a new reality without our knowledge. There are also some who suspect that CERN, the European Organization for Nuclear Research, who operates the world's largest particle accelerator, is at fault, and that they did something to cause our switch in reality. But whatever your belief or theory, there's no denying that many of us share memories of things that have no proof of ever actually happening. The first Mandela effect I'm going to talk about today is probably the strongest one for me at the moment. So I want all of you to think about the brand Fruit of the Loom and their logo. Fruit of the Loom is an American clothing brand founded in 1851 that is mostly known for their underwear and shirts. Okay, so now that you have their logo in your mind, is it a cornucopia full of fruit? If this is what you see, then you're wrong. Fruit of the Loom's logo is simply a bundle of fruit, but with no cornucopia or basket, and it has never included a cornucopia. I recently asked my husband, my mom, and my sister-in-law to imagine the logo, and all of them said that it included a cornucopia. In fact, I was actually wearing one of my Weird on the Rocks shirts at the time, which was printed on a Fruit of the Loom shirt, and I had to show them the tag for them to believe me. Some people online even say that they remember thinking that the cornucopia was actually called a loom, hence the name Fruit of the Loom, which showed the fruit spilling out of the basket. If you look for evidence online, the only images that show the logo with the cornucopia are photoshopped images that people have rendered to look like the logo that so many of us remember. But there is no actual evidence from the company itself that they ever used a cornucopia in their logo, and it has always just been the fruit. In fact, the actual Fruit of the Loom company released an infographic showing how the logo has changed over the past 170 years, and none of them include a cornucopia or basket of any kind. So why do so many of us remember a cornucopia? Many believe that this specific Mandela effect is proof that we have entered an alternate reality because there is some secondhand evidence of the cornucopia existing at one point. On the subreddit Mandela Effect, the user Simeon says, found a newspaper article dated from 1997, written by Mary Ellen Snodgrass, and it was titled Signs of the Zodiac, a reference guide to historical, mythological, and cultural associations. In this article, the author said, quote, a strongly feminine symbol, the horn, in advertising and iconography has come to represent nurturing, maternity, and strength. The symbol appears on a wide variety of common items including dried fruit, Italian bread, and fruit of the loom underwear, end quote. In this passage, she uses the term horn instead of cornucopia, which is just another word for cornucopia, and comes from the term horn of plenty, which depicts a basket overflowing with produce or flowers. So the discovery of this article shows that as far back as 1997, people were associating Fruit of the Loom with a cornucopia, but the company is adamant that it didn't exist. 
It appears that the author of the article is still around, and the original poster said that they reached out to her to ask if she remembers writing it, but at this time she has not responded. Another Reddit user, Lurking on Break, also made an interesting discovery. On the Trademark Electronic Search System, or Tess, it shows that in November of 1973, Fruit of the Loom filed a trademark that used a cornucopia in its logo. Under the design search code category, it says, quote, berries, grapes, apples, baskets of fruit, containers of fruit, cornucopia, horn of plenty, end quote. However, it shows that the trademark was canceled and never used. And in the information Fruit of the Loom has provided to the public, their past logos all are void of the cornucopia. It was never used. Some people think that this discovery shows that somewhere in time, Fruit of the Loom did use a cornucopia, but that in this timeline, they did not. And this is proof of us remembering something from a parallel universe. And a third Reddit user found yet another piece of information. An article titled Fruits of Their Labor, written by Linda Radosevich in 1996, says, quote, Fruit of the Loom's activewear online uses a cornucopia of technology, end quote. So while the author didn't specifically say they used a cornucopia in their image, she also made a connection between a cornucopia and Fruit of the Loom. The Reddit user actually tracked down the author via LinkedIn and asked her, quote, I wonder if you have any recollection as to why the word cornucopia was used there. Was it a simple play on words that are fruit related or was it also a reference to the Fruit of the Loom logo, end quote. The author, Linda Radosevich, responded saying, quote, This is an interesting request. I do not explicitly recall that Fruit of the Loom had a cornucopia in its logo, but when I used that word, I am sure that I had a picture in my mind of fruit spilling out of a cornucopia that was associated with Fruit of the Loom, end quote. And another piece of evidence that many use to prove residual evidence is an album released in 1973 by flutist Frank Wess, which has cover art that depicts a cornucopia with food spilling out titled Flute of the Loom. Reddit user Juggling Knives reached out to the artist, a man named Ellis Chapel, to ask some questions. His son responded saying, quote, this is Reed, Ellis's son, responding for my dad. I remember the cornucopia specifically, as does my dad. This is the second time we've been contacted about this album cover, and Ellis and I are more than happy to answer any questions. I was a little kid when Ellis painted the Flute of the Loom cover, and I remember specifically this album being a reference to the cornucopia in Fruit of the Loom's original logo, which is where my dad says he specifically got the inspiration for the design. When I talked to him about it, he said, why the hell else would I have used a cornucopia? The food coming out of the flute is soul food, actually a ham hock, cabbage, black eyed peas, etc. I remember when in my mind, Fruit of the Loom quit using a cornucopia in their logo and switched it to just being fruit. It impressed me because I thought the logo looked better with a cornucopia in it. In my memories, this was roughly around 1978 when I was in second grade, end quote. So do you remember a cornucopia in the Fruit of the Loom logo? If so, welcome to the club and we're all wrong. <laughs> In the past year or so, there have also been several new mandala effects that are from well-known movies. The first is from the 1979 James Bond movie Moonraker. In the movie, Richard Keel plays the role of Jaws, a bodyguard who stands over seven feet tall and has shiny metal teeth. 
There is a scene in which Jaws is stuck under a big wheel, and a blonde-haired, pigtailed girl named Dolly, played by Blanche Ravalik, moves the wheel off of him. Jaws looks at Dolly and smiles, showing his metal teeth. Dolly pauses for a moment, then smiles back at him slowly, showing off her straight white teeth. However, most people on the internet remember Dolly having braces on her teeth. Many claim that the scene was supposed to show that although Dolly and Jaws were very different looking, that they both had metal teeth. And without her having braces, the scene doesn't make any sense. While I was working on this episode, I asked my husband about this scene as he is a big James Bond fan. He says he definitely remembers Dolly having braces and said that was the whole point of the scene and it didn't make sense without the braces. Some believe that perhaps the absence of braces was due to the film being digitally remastered for DVD. But those who dug up old VHS copies also found that Dolly did not have braces. Some 007 fans actually reached out to Blanche Ravalik, the actress who played Dolly, and asked her about this. She claims that Dolly never wore braces. But in an article posted on Complex.com in 2012 titled The Complete History of Bond Girls, author Theta Sandiford said, quote, Dolly is one of the select few who was chosen to travel to Drax's space station as part of his master race experiment. She instantly falls in love with his henchman, Jaws, and with her endearing glasses, pigtails, and braces, and cleavage, convinces him to help Bond escape from Drax's space station, end quote. So while most people vividly remember Dolly's big metal smile, there's no evidence that it ever happened. Another movie-related Mandela effect pertains to the 1983 movie Risky Business. The movie includes an iconic scene featuring Tom Cruise, in which he slides into the living room to the song Old Time Rock and Roll by Bob Seger. Cruise is seen wearing white socks, a long dress shirt, and holding a candlestick as a microphone as he lip-syncs to the music. But most people remember him wearing another item, sunglasses. I recently asked a few friends of mine to explain this scene, and they all recalled that Tom Cruise was wearing sunglasses. But now when you watch the scene, he isn't. This iconic scene has been parodied numerous times throughout pop culture since its release in the 80s, all of which also include the sunglasses, including a scene in The Simpsons where Homer slides across the floor in a long shirt and sunglasses. And if you Google Risky Business Halloween Costume, almost every rendition includes sunglasses. Some people even remember Tom Cruise sliding in and throwing the glasses to the side before he starts singing. However, there is no actual proof that he ever wore sunglasses in the scene. His character did wear sunglasses in other scenes in the movie, so perhaps our brains are combining different parts of the movie and subconsciously adding sunglasses when they weren't actually there. The 1937 Disney classic Snow White and the Seven Dwarves actually includes two Mandela effects. One of the most memorable scenes shows the queen looking into her mirror and saying, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who was the fairest one of all? This iconic line has been quoted many times in pop culture since the movie's release 83 years ago, including in Star Trek, Shrek, and the 2012 film Mirror, Mirror, in which Julia Roberts plays the evil queen. But 
that's not what she says. When you watch the clip now, the queen says, magic mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest one of all? In fact, the original Snow White story written by the Grimm brothers and published in German translates to the words mirror, mirror. But although the Disney version was based off of this tale, the words were changed to something most of us don't remember. Someone like me, who never read the Grimm's Brothers story but has seen the Disney film, still remembers the Queen saying mirror, mirror, yet it never happened. The other Snow White Mandala effect is about the well-known song, Hi Ho, sang by the Seven Dwarves. It goes, hi ho, hi ho, but what comes next? If you're like me, you remember, hi ho, hi ho, it's off to work we go, but it turns out that the lyrics are, it's home from work we go. And there is another Disney Mandela effect, this one about the 1951 classic Alice in Wonderland. The two characters, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, are two twins who are dressed in matching red pants, yellow shirts, and hats. The hats have something on top of them, yellow flags. Although many people remember the hats having little propellers on top. In the year 2000, the film Scary Movie was released. This comedy was a parody slasher film that spoofed numerous famous scary movies such as Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer. One very well-known scene includes actor Sean Wayans wrapped up in a blanket parodying the famous scene from The Sixth Sense, where actor Haley Joel Osment says, I see dead people. In the Scary Movie rendition, people remember Sean Wayans a black man saying, I see white people, as a spoof on the quote from The Sixth Sense. Many remember the scene being included in the movie's trailer as well. However, the scene now has Wayne saying, I see dead people, the exact quote verbatim from The Sixth Sense. People have pointed out that now this isn't funny, like the movie is supposed to be, because it's just an actual quote, not a parody of anything. And the entire joke was that a black man was saying he was scared of white people. Some thought that perhaps the scene has been edited in the years since its original release in order to get rid of a line that could be seen as problematic. However, People who own Scary Movie VHS tapes also found that the line has changed there too. And there is now no evidence of Sean Wayans ever saying, I see white people. And the most recent Mandala effect that I have stumbled across is centered around yet another movie, the 2008 comedy Step Brothers starring Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. While many well-known quotes come from this movie, one of the most popular happens in a scene where the two brothers decided to turn their two twin beds into bunk beds. Most people remember Will Ferrell's character saying, quote, there's so much room for activities, end quote, as he dances around the room showing how much room they have now that their beds are stacked. However, the line now says, quote, so many activities, end quote. There are even shirts available on Etsy and other sites that say, so much room for activities, yet the movie now does not include that quote. The script now says, quote, it would give us so much extra space in our room to do activities. We'll get so many more activities done. Do aerobics in here. So many activities, end quote. 
Some believe that perhaps the original quote that most people remember could have been included in a trailer or special edition of some sort, but at this time, nobody can find a clip that has the exact quote. For me, this one is absolutely wild because this is one of my favorite movies ever. My friend Megan and I were obsessed with it when it first came out, and we watched it regularly, and we still quote it regularly. I just heard about this one last week as I was writing this episode, and I immediately texted her and had her watch the clip, and she was just as confused as I was, and we both really just still don't believe it. There are also many Mandela effects surrounding famous TV shows. The 1998 sitcom that followed four women in New York is called Sex and the City, not Sex in the City as many remember. Pikachu, the little yellow character from Pokemon, does not have a black stripe at the end of his tail as many remember. And Curious George never had a tail, despite being a monkey. There is also a Mandela effect surrounding the classic 1950s sitcom I Love Lucy. The show followed real-life married couple Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, who played Lucy Ricardo and Ricky Ricardo. Lucy's character was very naive and always seemed to be getting into trouble. And many remember Ricky was very frequently catching Lucy in the middle of something gone awry and saying to her, Lucy, you have some splaining to do. However, this was never said on the show. Ricky did say, splain that if you can, and Lucy, splain. But there is no evidence that he ever said, Lucy, you have some splaining to do on the show. Okay, so that's all of the examples that I have for today's episode. But chances are, I'll be able to do another one in a year or so with a bunch of brand new ones because they're happening all the time. I'm part of the Mandala Effect subreddit, and it seems like something new is being discovered weekly at this point. Now, there are many people who misremember something and think that it is a Mandala Effect, but in order for it to be a true Mandala Effect, it needs to be something that a large population of people share a memory for. But we still don't know what exactly the Mandala Effect is, or why so many people are sharing these memories that have no evidence of them ever happening. Some believe that the Mandela Effect is proof of alternate realities or timelines, that somewhere in history we branched off into a different timeline or into infinite different timelines. Some things remain the same, but some small details changed. Many believe that when we are able to find residue, such as the fact that Fruit of the Loom did register a trademark with a cornucopia but never used it, that this is proof of the old timeline leaking into our new one. Some believe that we entered a new timeline, reality or dimension, naturally, and some think it was caused by bigger forces at play. Could the military or government be to blame? Perhaps they were playing around with technology that got out of hand, causing us to jump dimensions. Or perhaps they were trying to save us from something in an older timeline to get us away from it. Or maybe they're implementing some type of mass mind control and are changing small details throughout history to see what society will notice. Or maybe an organization like CERN, who runs particle physics experiments, caused our reality to shift somehow. There's also a theory that the Mandela Effect is proof that someone has successfully time-traveled. In every time-travel movie, the time-traveler themselves eventually mess something up and change something in the future or past. And it's usually a small detail. Perhaps these small changes are because someone traveled back or forward in time and caused a ripple effect of sorts that we are now seeing. Some even believe that the changes we are noticing are some sort of communication 
and that the time-traveling entity or person is trying to convey a message to us in the present. Or perhaps whoever is messing with time has purposefully chosen to change these small details to see how much society can and will notice. There are also many who believe in the simulation theory and think that the mandala effect is tied to this. The simulation theory basically believes that we are living in some sort of computer simulation, like the game The Sims. There is someone or something controlling all of us, and we have no free will. Some believe that the Mandala Effect is just proof that something bigger than us, perhaps another human or alien race, is changing things and messing with us on purpose. Or maybe the Mandala Effect is all in our minds. Perhaps these shared memories really never did happen, and there is a more simple and reasonable explanation. Perhaps our brains are just filling in blanks for us and adding in information to make things more easily understood. For example, with the risky business mandala effect, Tom Cruise's character does wear sunglasses in different scenes in the movie. Maybe while watching the film, our brains remembered him in glasses and created a false memory of him wearing sunglasses in the scene where he's singing. A lot of the examples I presented today now kind of feel like they just don't make sense such as the scene from the James Bond film, Moonraker. The scene would have made more sense if Dolly had braces. So maybe collectively, our brains created it for us because the real scene felt empty and incomplete without it. But just like millions of people across the world, I don't have an answer as to what the Mandala effect is. And I think that's what makes this topic so fun and interesting and something that you, my listeners, still talk to me about. I found numerous theories online that people have shared, and everyone kind of makes sense in its own way and could be plausible. None of us have the answers, and maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> if a scientist came forward tomorrow with a scientifically proven explanation for the, for the Mandala effect that was something lame and boring and had a simple explanation like our brains just misfiring, then it would kind of ruin the whole mystery and intrigue surrounding the Mandala effect. And if we did learn that we really were jumping between different realities or that the government was messing with time travel or mind control, that would cause mass hysteria. So maybe not having the answer right now is a good thing, and it's allowing us to talk to one another and share our opinions and theories in an open way. I honestly have no idea what I think. I definitely believe in parallel universes and multiple dimensions, but I don't know if the Mandala effect is necessarily connected to that or if those are just separate things. I think a lot of Mandela effects are easily explained through basically just user error and that our brains make things up for us to explain things that our brains can't really comprehend. But there are definitely some Mandala effects that I really just can't accept. Uh, for me, the two main ones are the Berenstein Bears, which I covered in depth in episode three, and that's probably the biggest Mandala effect out there, and the Fruit of the Loom one, which I talked about previously in this episode. I remembered the Fruit of the Loom cornucopia so vividly, and I remember the first time I realized that the logo was now just fruit and how confused I was and thought, oh, that's weird. They changed their logo. I wonder why. Um, but they never did. And I'm still confused by this one. I swear this is real. I remember it so clearly. I have no idea what's really happening with the Mandala effect. But for the time being, I'm having just a good time thinking about it and researching it and reading other people's perspectives. There are some people out there with just crazy wild theories, but 
hey, their theory is just as good as anyone else's, I think. Hopefully someday we'll have an answer as to what it really is, as long as it isn't anything too scary. But who knows? It's 2020. I'm ready for anything. But as always, I want to hear what you guys think. Which Mandala effect is the strongest for you? Do you have a theory as to what you think is causing this? Or do none of these sound familiar to you and you think this whole episode is stupid and we're a bunch of idiots? <laughs> After you listen to this, send me a message on Facebook or Instagram at Weird on the Rocks podcast and please let me know your thoughts. I would really love to kind of gather the most common answers and some information and kind of do an update on what you guys say about this and what the strongest Mandela effects are to my audience as a whole. As always, thank you for hanging out with me today and for supporting the show. I appreciate every single one of you, and I hope you're all staying safe and healthy out there. And until next time, cheers and stay weird. That was a Titan Cast episode.